Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real uncomfortable conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I am very excited to introduce this episode because it's taken a few weeks to get us here. Uh, this episode is a recap and an analysis and a heart to heart on a on an incident that happened actually in an acting class of mine, an acting class that I love, but uh, was fully unprepared for some some racially themed comments. Um, it was racist. It was not cool. It was, it, it made me really angry and it, it wasn't even just racist. There was some sexism going on. It was a whole mess of things that I was really, really upset by and shared with on my personal Facebook. I promised friends that I would explain because I was just kind of off the cuff sharing some of my reactive feelings at the moment. I believe that was almost two months ago or a month and a half ago. And fortunately, the stars aligned because the individual, uh, one of the main individuals who was part of that incident uh, is my friend Dushant Astana. And he is an actor. He is a fashion designer. He's just an incredible person. We actually connected after... Uh, I moved in the within the class. I didn't leave the school, but I moved within the class, and so we're no longer, you know, seeing each other every week. But we reconnected through the power of the internet, and uh, I actually invited him to be on this podcast to talk about it with me. So instead of this podcast episode being me ranting and raving and having you know a big brain dump of all the things that I thought, it turned out a thousand times better because I was able to ask him questions and hear about the incident from his perspective and have him share his thoughts and feelings. So it was just fantastic. I'm glad that I I sat on it for a minute. I'm glad that I let the feelings subside so I could think through things and then let the universe bring Dushant into my life, uh, back into my life to be there to record this podcast. So I hope that you enjoy it. This was Seriously, I've said this multiple times, but this was one of my favorite podcast episodes to date. He's incredibly insightful and eloquent, and there are a lot of really important themes within this episode that I think are very relevant, obviously, to the political climate, the social climate right now when it comes to really heated topics. It's not easy to talk about them. It's not easy to unpack why we feel the things that we do. There are many other emotions beyond just feeling anger, outrage. And I think that those deserve airtime. They deserve insight and introspection. So again, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you enjoy it, please do share it with a friend and leave a five-star review and subscribe. Uh, yeah. And so without further ado, this is my episode with Dushant Astana. Enjoy. Jump right in. All right, let's do it. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually a little tired, but you know I'm good. Why are you tired? <laughs> just uh, been running around all day, uh, you know, working, but uh, just had food, and now I'm here, so now I feel good. And now I hydrated <laughs> you, so now you're ready to talk about stuff on my podcast. Water is good. <laughs> yes, water is good. So, Dushant, I would love for the audience to like get to know you a little bit. Yeah. I'm still getting to know you. Yeah. It's been amazing. We met in in acting class. And um, I want to say, just top of the record, for the record, first of all, I think you're really talented. <laughs> and it's I, I have a lot of joy seeing actors of color enter the scene. I've been taking classes for seven years now. Um, so yeah, it's really cool and it's been fun to watch you work, but for, for those of you who are still getting to know you, how would you, what, what's your story? Well, thank you. First of all, I really appreciate that. It's, uh, I think, uh, I mean, acting, acting is love, right? You know, and if you, if you really love it, uh, it shows, I suppose. Um, I mean, I love acting. I, um, I just recently started acting not that long ago, mm -hmm. um, but it's something that I'd been meaning to for a while. Okay. I grew up in India and as you know, it's a very sort of a... Uh, Bollywood and acting plays a really big role. Um, so, in, as a child, I always wanted to be a hero. You know, really <laughs> cute. Yeah. 
But when you grow up, you realize there's a difference between being a hero and being a good actor. Mm. So now I want to be a good actor, you know, stardom and all those things. That's, you know, that you can't plan that. Mm-hmm. I just want to do good work. Uh, and that's that's really uh, why I joined the class that we're in and just trying to sort of you know, learn my craft. Very cool. Yeah. And so you're from India and you're sharing your story a little bit before we started recording. Um, you've been in the States now for 17 years. Yeah, coming up 17. Coming yeah. up 17 years. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting. It was funny. Uh, I recorded an episode with Ronnie Chang, who's yeah. a comedian from Australia and from Malaysia. And it's always just really interesting for me to hear, like, what was your entry point? <laughs> And what do you think? <laughs> but I mean, we can we can unpack that as we talk. Sure. And and so and I, what I learned when we were in class and I got to know you a little bit is that acting is obviously kind of like a new pursuit, uh-huh. and you're doing other things. So you have another yep. full fledged career going on. Yep, working in tech, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, I like to call it entertainment because the industry is entertainment. What I do is. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call myself a technology person because I can't. It's like I think I think there are people much smarter than I am. I just sort of in that space working with a lot of tech people, mm-hmm. um, and then um, you know, and, th- and that's something that has allowed me to pursue acting, which I think I'm really thankful for. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's really cool because everyone has their different way of their hustle. Yeah, because it is a very whatever it is that you're doing, but specifically with acting and availability. Yeah. And mental clarity and emotional, you know, everything. Yeah. It takes a lot. It does. So kudos to you for doing <laughs> it. And it's really great that it's something that you wanted to do that you're like, you're doing. Um, and so the reason why we are here today is because there was a very specific point um, in our in our class that we're in together. And uh, just as a disclaimer, I'm not going to name names. I don't feel like that's a necessary part of this story. But we are in an acting class together, and we were part of a casting a casting activity, like a, a process that most actors go through. I've gone through several times in a lot of different acting classes I've been in. Um, and this one got a little bit heated, and it got a little controversial, um, taking full responsibility. I contributed to that quite a bit um so i just wanted to like unpack that because yeah. it's been a minute since it, do you remember when that happened yes yeah, i think about a month and a half month and a half month ago and a half, two, yeah two months yeah, like so that. we've had some time to marinate yeah. on it and i would really really because we kind of regrouped and we'll go through all the, the what happened yeah. um and the aftermath but i really want to hear it from your perspective yeah, so I mean, so from my perspective, I think it was, uh, so I'll start from the start, right? So I had been in the class for maybe a month and a half by that point, right? So I was still new to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then um, in the exercise that you're talking about, you know, and, and the way it goes is you go up and everybody sort of gives you their perspective of you so that you can then use that as a tool to go out there and get auditions and get cast. Right. right. Like, what's your casting? What are the parts you're going to get? Mm-hmm. So, so that was cool in terms of starting with, like, you know, age group and all that kind of stuff makes sense and then it got into where a couple of folks in the audience or in the class kept repeating things like oh 7-eleven guy oh uh you know a gas station guy oh so it got to a point like the first first point i heard like yeah that makes sense that's okay but when they kept repeating i could sense a pattern and i got to a point where like okay um and then and then you stepped in, and <laughs> and then oh, dear. He, and then you just like, oh, that's not ra- na- that's not racist at all, <laughs> and which was which to me was uh, a very refreshing because because there's a difference between sort of overtly uh, being racist, right? Mm-hmm. In which case, everybody is like, yo, what are you doing? And then there's a difference in just like that tongue-in-cheek where unless you're called unless you're called out you you would continue to do so you know so so i think that i'll stop there and let you sort of (laughs) share your perspective god okay yeah so uh, contextually speaking yeah so casting happens it's a regular thing but it is a very in and of itself kind of controversial because people are like you don't you don't know what people are going to say and you may really not like what you have 
people have to say. So it's not even just on the racism front, but um, for a lot of different stereotypical things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the fact that maybe you really want to be the hero and you keep getting the casting like you're a villain, like you seem evil or, you know, there's a lot of ways that this could go awry, which to our teacher's credit, you know, he warned us. He's like, you got to be ready because you're going to get a lot of suggestions. So um, that was a disclaimer. Usually, yeah, I've, again, I've done it in different classes. And then when you went up, you know, I was really excited. But then there's a part of me having worked in the Asian American diversity space for a decade, um, which comes up so often in this podcast. But, you know, that's that's the world I've lived in. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, dear God, how is this going to go? Yeah. So there's kind of I don't I'm not trying to, like, project. I'm very aware. Like, I'm not going to make it more than it is. But if something comes up and I'm like triggered like i'm sensitive to it i'm around it a lot i'm around the conversation so when you went up i was already like oh god this i just kind of taking a read of the room and um yeah it turned out the way that i was scared <laughs> it was gonna go and here's my thing too it's like the, the stereotypes in and of itself i mean there's room for people to argue that it's not offensive i don't think it's offensive to cast you as i don't think a 711 uh you know a convenience store person is an offensive role that's not that's no. like an actual person so to say that that's offensive is that's problematic too mm-hmm. but it was the repetition like mm-hmm. again to me it wasn't what was said it was how it was said yeah. and how much it was said yeah. that really i was just like <laughs> again Dusha, i was sitting there like i was in the way back of the room and the most far back and i'm just like kind of trying to sink into the couch and just be quiet because i was listening yeah and um i'm listening to what is being said mm-hmm. and then also what's not being said so that to me is very telling of like where we're at you know societally because with the whole diversity thing you just that's the point is like you don't see you until you see you and if we are only going by what's stereotypical then that's all we're going to be limited to uh, i agree so that's what was really upsetting to me. I agree, and 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 thank you for clarifying that. I think I think it needs to be said that no, uh, you know, running a Seven Eleven or working at a Seven Eleven is not offensive. Yeah, that, that it's is not. not what what I am saying or Minji is saying. I think the key here is uh, they they work really hard. You yeah, know, I, I know a lot of people who have put their kids through college by working at Seven Eleven, so that's a really respectable job. Mm-hmm. But you're right; it's it's the way those certain individuals kept saying these things and the way their tone was yeah. and how quickly they kept repeating it, that sort of got us to a point where we're like, okay, what is going on here? Okay, you need to shut up. Yeah. It was just very like, again, the tone and the the, the, the the delivery, it seemed like very... And if you're serious about it, like, yeah, this is acting 101. If you're serious about it, say, hey, I think you could be the guy that works at 7-Eleven. That's a person. But they're like, 7-Eleven guy. And then they kept saying it like that. I was like, so A, is that a joke to you? B, like, we heard you. Shut up. And it was also the fact that, so just factually speaking, they can't, these words also came from Caucasian males and only Caucasian males. And that's also was pissing me off because I was like, other people have stuff to say. Other people have suggestions. Like, we heard you. Shut up. Like, let other people... That was... So there are many layers to this. Um, and and that's the issue is kind of like the the liberties that people take and the privileges people seem to exercise. That was very, very obvious in that room to me as somebody that is sensitive to that. And I didn't know to what degree other people felt it. Sure. So as soon as I said it, my face was burning, by the way. I was like, I was about to, I was getting really mad. And then I was like, oh, I could feel it. Cause I was like, Minji, don't say anything. Don't say, it. I was like, that's not right. I got so angry. And then after I was like, oh no. Well, a- a- afterwards I was like, yeah. But then after I was like, oh God. Cause the guys turned around. He's like, who said that? Yeah. And he got, and I, I sank into the couch and I was like, oh God, I didn't say anything. I, I did not speak up after that. Yeah. I just try to disappear. No, that that's. So I, th- I think one thing that has to be said here as well is, it's that was I think really brave of you. And you know, usually we say brave things are jumping into fire and all those things, but I think it is brave to just call out these things because they were Caucasian males, they were grown up Caucasian males, mm-hmm. they knew what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. It's not like they just, uh, you know, they're kids who just saw something on TV and they're repeating. They 
knew what they were talking about and they were intentional about it. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it was really brave of you to just say that out in front of everybody. And that's, I think it's these small steps, right? That now it's registered in everybody's mind yeah. in that class. So now that's a difference in itself. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like that's how you sort of change the world by changing those little things, right? So now everybody knows, oh, yeah, I think everybody knew what happened. Right. So I think that was really, really important. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you like saying that because I, I, I don't know how to like fully articulate how it feels to be the one to call it out because there's so much fear around it that automatically I knew instantaneously. I was like, I just called myself out as I'm the sensitive one. And that's the thing that I've like dealt with my whole life because I have problems with a lot of things that people don't seem to have that big of a problem with. So I think I've, I'm just like that. I mean, well, so here's, I mean, here's how I look at it, right? It's always, why is it that the burden of whatever it is always falls on the person who, I guess, for lack of better words, blows the whistle, mm-hmm. right? So I, that's one thing that I have actually never really fully understood, mm-hmm. like, the the because I, I suppose because it's easy to not do it right? yeah yeah it's easy to not do it so when somebody does it people are I think people are partly ashamed of themselves that a they thought it was okay or they are not the first one to do it mm-hmm. and b it's really easy to just be in a group and then not say something about it right so I think I think it's you know historically and again we're i'm not saying we are those people but historically people who sort of brought about change were usually by themselves and then sort of got support later for sure you know so yeah think yeah and that's and that's very real so i i felt like i had singled myself out so i was already freaking out about that and then we continued and i appreciate it. you sat down and you were sitting next to me that class and you kind of like nudged me like as a thank you and i was like oh thank god cuz i was worried that even like <laughs> I was worried that I made something a big deal that you didn't think was a big deal. So I was like, oh, shit. Because, yeah. you know, I just didn't want it to to be a thing. That's the whole, like, feeling of rocking the boat that's no, so... I, I, I agree. Okay, so, 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 so if you had not called out, um, I don't know how, how much I would have felt mm-hmm. at a later point. Uh, here's what it has done to me. Those individuals who kept calling those things out... It has given me feel, right? It has like, because I, you know, I, I believe in my ability as an actor. I train hard. I work hard. So my, when I look at them, I don't look at them with contempt. Mm-hmm. I don't look at them with anger. I look at them with legitimate competition because, because we may go for the same audition. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, if you think I can only get a job that is stereotypical Indian, mm-hmm. I can show you otherwise. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. You know. Swag. I love it. And that's real. Yeah. And that's, that's, this is the very like sub, subconscious kind of thinking that these stereotypes reinforce. And again, I'm not saying that it's um, intentional. I'm not saying people are consciously like, I'm trying to undermine you or like put you in a box. But you can't say that people don't put people in boxes. Mm-hmm. It still happens. And so... It's it's a tricky thing, and I and I try to leave space. Like we, we, I think I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like sometimes a lot of minority people, for a long period of time, extensively to much of our discomfort, in a lot of ways, allow have allowances. Like we make mm-hmm. room for that. Oh, they're just ignorant. They don't know what they're saying. So you'll kind of like absorb. You become like the the sponge for like subtle or overt racism you become somebody who's just like making allowances because it would be like they don't mean it Mm -hmm. and because it would be very uncomfortable to confront someone like how do you even do that that's again not in a lot of anybody's cultures like hey go talk to the person you have a problem with who does who even does that you know so you feel that way it's like i I do and i have a great example as you were saying that like a, a thing flashed in front of my eyes which is so i've been here 17 years all coming up 17 years and um when I first joined the workforce in America, um, I, you know, so my name is Dushyant, of course. I discounted my name. Like, I would say, tell everybody, just call me DK, which is my initials, my first name and my middle name. And everybody started calling me DK because I thought it would be easier for them. So I literally discounted my name mm-hmm. so that I can make it easy for other people. Yet I am I am expected to 
you know, learn names like, I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger comes to mind, that quarterback, you know, for for some some team. Uh, so, you know, that somewhere in like eight, nine years ago, when uh, when I was, uh, I guess, growing up, you know, as approaching 30 or I was just turning 30 or something like that, mm-hmm. it, I was like, no, my name is Tushyant. And people ha- will have to call me by my name. So no more DK. I put DK to... I think the only place I use DK now is Starbucks. Because I don't really do that. I don't want to... It's I'll cool. Like, you might... Because so, I think you're right. Like, as as a minority, as somebody who can speak multiple languages, and our name may not be an English language, mm-hmm. we discount all these things. I was yeah. like, no. No, it's my name. It's our name. It's it's all these things that... Good for you. <laughs> High five. You know? So, no, yeah. and, that's, and that's a journey. And I think... Um, there's a, there's a lot of people, you know, I'm part of a wave of, of immigrant children that at least like in Asian America um, with Korean Americans and with a lot of Chinese Americans, there was a huge wave of Asians that immigrated to the United States in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. I'm part of that. Um, and there's this like dual identity, maybe even more sometimes of like, who am I and to what degree am I from the motherland and to what degree am I part of this because we're assimilating and figuring things out. And Largely, there has been less of an, an an embracing of all these specific ethnicities. Everybody's been very like USA first, and there's nothing really wrong with that. But if if we're also claiming to be a place where we have freedom mm-hmm. and and you know um, being a place that like all these different people can discover and learn and live the American dream, then your behavior has to back that up. And I think we're still figuring that out. A lot. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And I think also feel like one thing that uh, a lot of people sort of assume, I suppose, is that culture is stationary and culture is not. Mm-hmm. Especially in a country like America, where like we have people from all over the world. So coming here and living here, making this their home, culture is actually more dynamic in America than anywhere else in the world. Absolutely. So, so for for us, for me, at some point in my life, to think that the right culture is the is the sort of European culture that the European conquerors brought to America is the one that we need to follow is uh, it frankly was wrong on my part because you know uh, culture starts when I land here and I contributed something to the American culture, be it through my acting, be it through the work I did. And I think that's that goes for millions of people who move here. So, you know, I think culture, that's also an important one that we should think about. Like, I love that. Yeah. I think that's so poetic. Very profound moment here. <laughs> first. I love that. You're very, very eloquent, Shant. Such an, such an artist. Well, okay, so to continue, I, I love, you know, I I feel very validated or like just reassured right now that I I didn't like do some like gross misstep. However, I do also want to know in my reflection time in the last month and a half, and I did go home and I was pissed and I put up stuff on Facebook to my friends in private. Um, But I do understand, like I said that I was in a, in a state of rage and um, I was, I was scared. I was like, Oh God, how's this guy going to talk to me? Do I need to not come to this class anymore? You know, I had a lot of thoughts go through my head of, um, what does our teacher think of me now? Cause I, I love our teacher. And, um, I was just worried. I was worried at like, how's this going to go now? Mm-hmm. I just, I broke the seal and now some's there's things are not going to be the same anymore. So I was like obsessing over that. And there are different ways to address the way that that all happened. Mind you, like it could have gone where I didn't say anything, and it would not have been brought to the attention of the entire class the way that it did in such a dramatic way. But, like, I could have also talked to the teacher after. I could have talked to those guys. I think I would have been really... I don't think I would have, to be honest. But could I have? Yes. And so I'm just putting that out there as, like, calling out and, like, the accountability thing. I'm all for. But also, like, we're also figuring out our ways to do it. Because if that if that situation came up again... Uh, I actually don't know. Maybe I would do it exactly. Because sometimes you just got to... I don't really regret the way it went down. But it did... It caused a lot of stress on me during and after. Um, do, do you recall what happened after your casting, though? Oh, yeah. When when uh, when another... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, again, not naming names. Another actor went up. Yeah. And, and it's a female from... Uh, from a from a you know a different country and yeah. how her casting went. Yeah, so also, I'm curious. What was your take on that? I didn't get to unpack that. Well, so again, uh, you know, not not to say just to say it, but you know, uh, I would like to consider myself as a feminist 
And I grew up in a very strong female figure household. My mom, uh, you know, my mom and dad, but and my dad was always very supportive of my mom. Not that my mom needed any support. Uh, we all need support. Yeah, you know, in, in terms of yeah, she's yeah. very independent. We all appreciate support. So, so you know, there. So, to me, the first things are never stereotypical that come to mind. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like. Again, I think it was those certain individuals who just kept calling, uh, you know, again, no job is good or bad inherently, right? Every job has has a reason uh, behind it. But they kept calling, they kept calling for, uh, let's just say, uh, prostitution type jobs. Sexualized jobs. Yeah. Well, even the non-sexual jobs, they turned sexual. Yeah. Like a high school teacher became a sexy high school teacher. Who has sex with her student. That was actually that just that in itself. I think the person who said it, uh, A, what's wrong with you, man? And B, again, what's wrong with your upbringing? Because something did go wrong somewhere. Yeah. For you to be saying that in like or thinking A and then B, like thinking it's appropriate to call that out to a fellow classmate in in a class of you know in in a room of 20 people that was one of the fullest nights we've had too because acting class you know people could be working they might be busy that was one and it's ironic that it was in one of the most like full classroom where like every seat was taken and i was just like wow so it was just a very interesting social observation and i'll also note that the person so that she was the final person to go up and i uh, anyway, um, that happened. But before her was actually another classmate who we I I love this guy. I think he's great. It's a he's a white male. Mm-hmm. He went up right after you. And what I'll say the distinction and contrast, which again I wasn't surprised at at all, was that you people were reaching for roles for you. That's what I observed. That they're like, uh, and which is why the the guys who did call that out repeatedly. It's it stuck out because there weren't that many other things. And to be honest, I had a lot of ideas, but I was so busy listening to them because mm-hmm. after that, and I was so irritated. I was like, he could be a teacher. He's a professor. He's like a designer. He's an entrepreneur. I was like, what is so hard about this, you guys? But that was just me, again, right. getting really angry. But after when uh, the next person went up, man, it was like a waterfall. It was like... Roll after roll after roll after roll. And a lot of them, mind you, were not all heroic. They were like, oh, you're like a child molester. I was like, wow, this group's on fire tonight. <laughs> did, did you notice that? Or like, yeah, I mean, I, I did. And, and, and I find that interesting. And, and that was also sort of like a litmus test for me because I think living in LA and, you know, I all, all, often think to that myself. I think the only thing that is not going for me is that I'm not white. Mm-hmm. I have every other privilege that this city, this state has to offer, right? Um, so, but that was a good litmus test in terms of, because that's how I see me. I see myself as a man yeah. living in Los Angeles. Living in the world. <laughs> Period. Yeah. There's, I don't look at me an Indian man. Yes, I am Indian mm-hmm. and that's a part of me, mm-hmm. but that's how I look at the world. So... But turns out that's not how the world looks at the world. Right. <laughs> and we're constantly reminded, reminded of, of that. that. Yes. <laughs> and that's 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 the part that, um, you know, causes a lot of frustration. If I'm being just being completely freaking honest, like I get tired of it because I, I, I reckon it's because becoming sensitive to all of that outside also makes me sensitive to like, how am I looking at other people? And and how am I missing out on their humanity? Am I discounting a certain person or putting them in a box that they don't belong in? And thankfully, you know, I still have a lot of my own privilege to work through. But that was very telling. You know, it's not like this kind of self-righteous thing. It just made me sad. And it pissed me off because I was like, okay, so he's you've already seen his work he's talented he's a man and you it was that hard for you to come up with roles that men could play but with him the second person it just flows right out of you and i noticed that it really came from everybody so it's just it's it's just a note okay i'm not like criticizing really any except the guys that were idiots but everyone else it's just like we all live in this in in these different bubbles and we all have different unconscious bias right and that's the part the term that i think is coming a lot more that we're talking about like diversity so yeah it was it's a litmus i think it's a very great way to put it it was so i wasn't like 
angered by that. I was angered by how they treated you. I was intrigued by how the next casting went. Then I went through the roof enraged yeah. when the woman yeah. are beautiful and she is she is a very attractive woman. Um she went up and again, I'm put, not putting names out there, but after the class was over, what I can share with you mm-hmm. is we put our chairs away and I went to the bathroom because I was like, part of me was genuinely like, I want to talk to people about this. I hope people don't like treat me like the plague and run away and don't talk to me anymore. And I've always been treated really well in that class. Everyone's super nice. So I, w- I was just freaking out. And then I went to the bathroom and I was in the bathroom with the woman who did the casting and another classmate who happens to be African-American. And I went up to her and I did feel a lot of like fear. And I went up to her and was like, look, I'm sorry if um, I freaked out or made anybody uncomfortable. And then I was like, also, are you okay? Because I personally looked at how she was reacting and I want to see if you saw any of that. She didn't look comfortable up there. She did not look happy. She looked very, like, she got very tense. And then by the end of it, after all these, like, sex jokes of, like, turning... I was just... Again, there's nothing wrong with female sexuality. But to objectify a woman to that degree over and over and laughing about it was just, like... I couldn't... I thought we were in, like, a weird time warp where I was like, this is not... 2019, like, what is happening? Um, And she kept on, like, justifying. She's like, she's like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm I'm used to it. I'm used to it. And I was like, I don't want you to, I told her to her face. I was like, I don't want you to be used to that. And she's like, well, you know, people are stupid. And, like, she's just kind of, like, Mm -hmm. and I, 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 and again, I don't want to, like, over, like, step boundaries, but I wanted to, like, hug her and be like, it's okay. Like, they're being dumb, like, idiots. Mm -hmm. But she was just like, and she turned to me and she said the thing that made me kind of sad. She's like, I'm really smart. And that made me want to cry and like break things. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I know you're smart. I yeah. see you work every week. Like yeah. English isn't even your first language. I know how smart you are. Yeah. If they can't see it, that does not mean you're not smart. And Absolutely. I don't want, ugh. Anyway. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. Like I've had the pleasure to work with, with, uh, with that actor, um, you know, since then and, and yeah, she's definitely very smart and uh, she does all the work that the we're training, right? You know, and, and a lot of these people who come to the class just wing a lot of these things. But you can tell the difference between when somebody's actually working versus not. And she's really smart. Uh, she just happened to be born in a different country. Mm-hmm. English happens to be her second language. Mm-hmm. And... It's, and is really attractive. <laughs> and, and yeah, she is very attractive. So it's just like, um, yeah. And, and, and here's another thing I, I, th- I was thinking about. Say, you know, you, like yesterday I was, I was at a friend's party and, you know, a bunch of us were making jokes and there was, there was a guy, everybody had a few. There was a guy, he made a joke and the girls responded like, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. The guy's immediate response was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I was just joking. I, ho- I hope I didn't offend you. I'm extremely sorry. Yeah. That's the correct response. I think, yeah. Right? Yeah. In terms of he realized that maybe inadvertently he said something that was perhaps not correct. None of the guys who were saying those things did that in our class. Yeah. So so that means... They were not at me. <laughs> right? So, so that, that tells us that uh, they had no intentions to do it and they thought they were right. So I think that how you how one responds after mm-hmm. is also very telling of of where we are. I agree, and I also okay, and also for and we can talk further about the aftermath because there was an aftermath mm-hmm. um, that it's it's uncomfortable and that's fine, but again, it kind of feels like a, this unbalance of of accountability, I guess. And so I'm curious because at the end of that class, it was a very tense casting. It was it was a very interesting roster to watch you, a man of color, a white male, and then a woman of color go up in succession mm-hmm. and to see all their castings. That was such a like, I was like, wow, this feels like a movie because I'm like, you, it just couldn't be clear who was the most vocal and to what degree. Who felt like they had the the space to like take up all the air in the room, and then who didn't, and who didn't say anything, and who was uncomfortable? Like it's just very interesting, um, and the what the reactions were. Do you remember what our teacher said at the end of class at that one after the casting? Um, I don't. I, I don't. I, I, refresh. You may refresh my memory. He was just saying that, like casting. I think he was taking the temperature, and he said, "Oh like, yeah, yeah." I, now I remember. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think he also called me 
uh, the day or a few days later or a day after, I forget, uh, I was in my office um, and, and I, have a, I have a closed door office. So I'm in my office and I get this call from him. I'm like, oh, wow, did I not pay my dues? Did, uh, <laughs> what is, did I do it, wrong? What did I do wrong? Is the, is the glass canceled? <laughs> Something. And, I, you know, I shut my door. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? It's like... And then he goes on to, without, of course, naming you, he's like, oh, uh, were you uncomfortable? And my response, I had a choice at that point. I could have told him yes. I could have told him no. I chose to say no. And, and here's the reason. I chose to say no because I knew that you had talked to him. Mm-hmm. That's why he's calling me. Mm-hmm. But he didn't name you because he... He thought that by calling me, I would think that it's just a regular call that he gives everybody after casting. Mm-hmm. So, so I understood that, and I also didn't want him to then be completely uncomfortable and then not give me the notes or the critique that he potentially could okay. for me to be a better actor. So I made the choice to say no, and I knew that. Because everybody had left after our class. I knew that, oh, you had that gave. So, so that's when we had that uh, walk to the car chat. Uh-huh. Uh, because at that point, I was like, uh, uh, turns out this is actually more serious than I thought it was. Uh-huh. Uh, is that my fault? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not, it's not a fault at all. Okay. I think it was great. <laughs> I think it's great that, uh, because I think since then, even our teacher has been very careful and cautious and understanding of, because there are more and more people of color in the class. Uh, it's, a, it's a shift that he has to make as well. Because, you know, he, he's been teaching for decades and most mm-hmm. of the people were mostly white people. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also good for him. I don't think it's bad at all. I just didn't... I just thought, for me going back to... The way I get back to this is be a better actor mm-hmm. than those guys. Go out there, do good work. And just sort of show it to the world that these guys don't matter, but show it to the world that people of color can go out there and do any job you throw at us. Yeah. Give, give me a job and I'll show you we can do it. Yes. So, so I think that was, that was very, very, I, I mean, I, I haven't said the words. I'm going to say it now. Thank you. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. I would not, I'm not fishing for a thing. No, but no. it's important. Yeah. It's well, important. I'm glad that it, it was helpful. That was just my main freak out was that. I did something disruptive and that's something that as a woman and you know woman of color there's there's ways that I completely go against the stereotype of the submissive quiet asian woman and I'm totally you know I am those things sometimes too in the in the most frustrating times because it's the times where like my uh, opinionated nature or my ability to make a a sound argument could be really useful. A lot of times I, the reason I have anger is because I've known there's been moments where I could have done or said something to alter the course of something and I didn't. So it, it matters a lot to me that it was something that you appreciated and that didn't disrupt your experience in class. Cause that's the real reality. I was like, okay, I gave in to an impulse of like complete rage. Cause I saw the BS. I called it out. I felt good about that. But in, in, tandem with that I might have also screwed you over from like now you're going to be uncomfortable in this class and that's the part that I was like I don't want to deal with that I'll deal with this these idiots thinking that I'm like an overly sensitive whatever I was like you know it's fine but that part was really kind of like screwing with me and again there's so many reasons why people might not ever speak up it's fear and it's also just like concern like oh if they always a lot of people rail it back and be like oh I'm being too I'm the one being to whatever mm-hmm. and so then nothing will get said so that was that the only conversation you had with our teacher after um the only phone call yeah the only phone call okay uh and i i didn't bring it up much you know because i um i just you know i was very new to the class so i, I yeah. didn't know him that well yeah uh i i think at some point in the future we will have a con that conversation okay uh because i'm getting more comfortable with him cool uh, as a person, but yeah, that's, that was the only conversation I had with him. Can I tell you about my conversation? Please. <laughs> Absolutely. So it wasn't like, maybe it was, I have no sense of time. Maybe it was around the same time frame. I don't know if I had talked to him first because the way it was framed to me. Okay. It's so a really quick recap. At the end of class, 
I genuinely love our teacher. I think he's incredibly good teacher. I think he's very smart. He has a very extensive education in like not just theater, but in just understanding people. Um, so I have a lot of respect for him. So I, I did not immediately pin that on him. Like you messed this up by allowing this to happen. He gave ample warning. I don't think he knew how to handle what was being said. And at the end, he did his best to what I believe what he thought was the best thing was that like people will get castings that they don't agree with to reiterate that. And he was talking about, uh, another example was like Glenn Close from, um, Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. Do you know that movie? I do. Yeah. yeah. So when she, back in that time, you know, Glenn Close was not considered a femme fatale in any fashion. She was like the boardroom executive or like the lawyer. She's not the woman that like is the mistress. And so he was using that as an example of like, she had to fight for that role. No one looked at her and thought, oh, you're like the girl that I want to, my side chick that I'm banging. They didn't think that of her. So she had to really work her relationships and like, say I can do this role and she got the role so I I appreciated that he was trying to contextualize it Um, I was still really mad and I just also in this case made an allowance of like I don't think he even knows what the, the layers are here and I didn't really hold that against him because I've I've been around him enough to mm-hmm. know that like this guy's not one of the idiots mm-hmm. he's not stupid mm-hmm. he just doesn't know how this goes this sure. is new yeah. so then when we talked we ended up talking for like almost an hour oh wow or maybe over an hour. Wow. Um, he called me. I was busy. I said, let's talk when I'm free. It was ended up being like three days later. So I'd had time to kind of, I was like, oh God, he's going to, he's, we're going to talk about this now. How's this going to go? And he asked me, he's like, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you're a little upset. And I was like, yeah. And I, I love the guy and I look at him like I can be really frank with him. So I was like, yeah, I was effing pissed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. Can you share why? And then so I went off and I was just giving the background on my work. And he's just like, you know, it seemed like you were the only one that was upset. And I was like, fine. I'm still upset. Mm -hmm. And um, he, that's why I didn't know if he talked to you yet or he talked to you first. He's like, didn't seem like anybody else was upset. And I was like, be that as it may, I'm still mad. And this is exactly why. So I painted the whole picture and he ended up being it initially i kind of was getting upset because it sounded like he was defending the behavior or just minimizing it he said you seem like you're the only one that was upset i understand people are very sensitive in this time but like the guy that you said was racist he's very upset he's very offended that he was called racist and i was like great i don't like i care also don't um and we ended up having this very, very in-depth conversation. I told him about the work that I do. He had a lot of questions. So he ended up asking, he's like, well, what do you think about, you know, colorblind casting? And I was like, I think that it's been an important, like, transitional thing is to open up casting. But I still think when people think of the hero, they're going to think of Chris Evans. They're not going to think of, well, now they're thinking of the guys in Black Panther because now that's a thing. And, like, how long did it take for a superhero mm-hmm. to be to be black? And and all these things, we're just, we're going down the gamut. And so, um, he was very curious and he was very grateful. And that's why, again, I was glad that I had been as honest with him. I felt like I could be, but he, and then I, cause I didn't just stick to the race stuff. I was also talking about the woman. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, if you notice, there's a really big difference of how those three castings went. He's like, no, I'm aware. And then he kind of was like, well, you know, in all the decades I've been doing this, no one's had a problem. And I was like, no one's had a problem that you know of. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't equate the silence mm-hmm. with that. No one's had a problem. Yeah. No one wanted to tell you. Cause you're honest. I told him, I was like, you're a very like intimidating person. You're incredibly sharp. You're bright. You're blunt. So who's going to walk up to you and be like, I have a problem with how you teach. (laughs) Like I have to deal with how you teach because I made, I'm the one who called it out in the middle of class. If I elected to, I was like, I don't know if I would really want to like potentially get on your bad side. I like you. Like I respect you. So he was very like, I don't know. He received it well. He's like, thanks for telling me that. Yeah, and you know, I think he'll be better for it, right? So I think. I hope so. I mean, I don't know. I've been I've been there a few months now, and uh, you know, and we have had a bunch of uh, women of color in the class as well, which which I think is incredible, and they're all really good. Um, and I think some of them, 
you're no longer in the same class as I am. Yeah, I got moved to, moved to a, a different, a different night. day, but you know, different evening. But we're in the same, still in the same class, and uh, yeah, I actually look forward to having that conversation with him because I think we've, we've gotten to a point where like we feel comfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. Him and I, uh, he knows my work. He knows uh, what I do. I know what he does. So I think um, it's interesting because another person of color. Uh, went up a guy with a very thick English accent, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't think there were any. There were some stereotype that we said, and when I say we, means the class. Yeah, but none of them were said in a offensive manner, and I think people were choosing their words carefully when they when they said. Immigrant, they also they made sure that they're talking about what's going on in the country today mm-hmm. in this sort of you know time frame, which which makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, and- so you know, so I, I think you know, s- small things, little things matter, and I think what you did, I'm sure, has made an impact on our teachers uh, in how he looks at everybody else. Oh yeah. And a good, that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I'm very relieved. I didn't want to turn this into like you did. You're a hero. No, but I'm. Gl- I'm gl- ultimately. I'm really glad that I said it. I'm glad that it, I'm very grateful that you didn't take it in a bad way. I'm glad that our teacher he treated it with care, and that's all that I really care about. It's like, look, yeah, my parents are dry cleaner owners, you know, and there's a show on Netflix called Kim's Convenience because there's a lot of Korean people in North America who own convenience stores and dry cleaners. Mm -hmm. It's a truth. I don't take offense to that, but it's, again, how it's said with care, Mm -hmm. with respect. That's all the difference. You can, we can say, and that it's kind of our world. Like we're artists. We're talking about a lot. We're talking about humanity. So you're going to get into the, you're going to get into the weeds no matter what. There's no safe ground really. Yeah. I mean, acting, acting is the only job in America where, where you can say a lot of things about how the way you look, your ethnicity and be okay. Mm -hmm. You cannot go to an interview and be rejected because I'm Indian or you're Korean. Right. But you can <laughs> an acting job, and I think that's the truth of it. And I think we—it's our responsibility to sort of we, as in the people of color, actors of color, rather, to uh, sort of address it little by little and sort of you know make an impact as as, as much as we can. For sure. Yeah. Uh, do you have any? Do you watch any shows? Or are there anything that you're? Is there anything that you're watching that's like giving you? Because even watching a show like Kim's Convenience and like fresh off the boat like those things are wins and and i even though they're not my specific experience like the specificity of it not having to water it down mm-hmm. or make it more palatable for someone else just to be an indian family or mm-hmm. to be a korean family mm-hmm. i think is great like are, is there anything you're watching that like uh gives you the yay unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of time to to watch or like sort of glue to the uh to the shows yeah you know because there's so many things going on but uh i do love netflix in in that they i, I love the narco series oh all of them because i love that they shot it in spanish i love that they t- you know they sort of um you know, the, all the actors were from that part. Although Wagner Mora is Portuguese playing, playing, you know, that ruffles some feathers as, as it should have. But I think Netflix is doing that right. And then I think Netflix also is making a lot of Indian content. And yeah. me being from India, you know, there's, uh, I'm loving that as well to be able to watch Indian shows, really strong Indian shows in America. I've uh, heard about this. Like people have been raving about some of the Indian shows that are available on Netflix. Now. Yeah, uh, two that I strongly recommend, um, and I recommend that you watch not in English. You watch it in, them in Hindi and have the subtitles on. Are Sacred Games mm-hmm. and uh, Delhi Crime. I got to meet the director of Delhi Crime. Oh, really? Wow! At Sundance this year. Oh, that's amazing. He is amazing. He's Canadian. Got Indian, it. Indian Canadian. Yep, yep. Toronto. Yep. And his story is fantastic. He as a person is just, he's just fantastic. And my friend Tanuj Chopra uh-huh. is uh, he's show running season two. Oh, wow. shout that's... out to Tanuj! You're killing the game, bro. <laughs> that's amazing. It's a it's a very I mean the story itself is so like devastating, but the fact that again the audiences and the way that things get made matter, and mm-hmm. I think having authenticity 
in however degree you can make it authentic. Because there are creative liberties you can take. You can say, like, like I've argued this even about female stories. I'm like, if it's going to be a female-centered story, at least consult with a female writer. Yeah. If you're going to do dialogue, if you're gonna, like, it, it's only going to help your project be better. Yeah. It's not saying, like, oh, I can't do this. But, like, I just want to see, like, is this true? Because I've heard so many parts for females, I'm like, that is not how we talk. Or, like, not we. I can't speak for everybody. But I was like, you just feel there's something about, like, an X Factor. You just feel that it's inauthentic. I I agree. You're like, this is fake. I agree. Like, I don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and while we're we're talking about Netflix, there's another Netflix show that I I absolutely, I know hate is a strong word I hate, which is... um, this is a show where I think Russell Peters is the lead in it, and he plays a detective, a Canadian detective, but he is of Indian origin. And these people, uh, there are characters in this show that are meant to be born and raised in, in India, like they're Indian, never left India. Yeah. And all they did was cast brown actors um, from around the world. And, and there is, there is a, I started watching it, and it was first episode, 15 minutes in, and I heard them talking in Hindi. Okay. And it was so, their accent was so bad. I, I had to turn it off. Because yeah. it got to a point where I'm like, oh my God. Like, the next step is just because you you cast a brown actor doesn't mean you have the right actor. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. Like, do your due diligence. Yes. Yeah. To what you were saying, like, women don't talk that way. People who are born and raised in a certain part of the world don't talk that way. <laughs> yeah, literally. And there are people who will watch this that will know yes. that's not how they talk. It's it's such a it's such a funky thing now that I'm moving into like writing and, and directing and like I want to make shows and stuff. I mean, this is a very it's a tough place to be in, but I also feel like it's out of tough situations is where a lot of creativity is born. If you look at it like, oh, God, this is a burden. Like, I need to find, like, a blah, blah, blah. I need to find. Well, it can also be, like, the best piece of thing, piece of work that you ever did because you look at it as an opportunity. Now, I'm not, like, prescribing that to everybody, but I'm saying it's an opportunity for you or anybody or me to look at, okay, I have a limited budget, but I need – what are the key things that are the most important? That the story is real and that I believe what's happening. That's really the paramount thing of any film or show you're making. So I'm just like, okay, then what do I need to make sure happens? Then I need to make sure that the characters are people that you would genuinely believe would be in this story. That's huge to me. Again, I'll go back to it again for the 50th time. In Titanic, I was 9 or 10 years old. I did not buy Kate Winslet as an American girl. <laughs> I called that out. I was in 5th grade and I was like, she ain't American. I don't buy it. It's something. She's a very good American accent. Yeah. This is how much of a critical <laughs> diva I am. But I just saw her performance and Leo's like, Leonardo DiCaprio was American. Yeah. You can know that. Yeah. But something about the way she was doing the American accent I was like, she's not American. I don't buy it. And also, I was like, I don't buy it. She's 17. It's a lie. Yeah. So even 10-year-olds, Hollywood yeah. people, yeah. can see through your BS. I was like, you couldn't you couldn't cast an actual... There were no American actresses in all the land that could play this role. And I'm just saying, I think it makes it more fun. I'm not doing that to like bash everybody and say how deficient people are. But it's like, I think it's make it makes it for better content like you get lost in the world because it's real yep. you know what i mean absolutely. like absolutely you're just like wow <laughs> what a love story i mean i still got caught up real real talk i got caught up in titanic anyway yeah yeah that was a good that was a good film like I, I i did not have an understanding of american versus british versus all the new york yeah. southern accent because i was still living in india at the time right i was, I was a teenager right so uh but yeah Watching watching all those movies now, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just, again, progress. Like, yeah. I'm not reverse. I just, I'm letting you know <laughs> that that's what I thought. Yeah. And I and maybe that's, like, part of who I am that, like, I think um, reality is beautiful. Yeah. And you don't need to alter it too much. I think there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Uh, but including this story, I, I'm really, like, I'm glad our paths crossed. And I was, like, bummed because you and all the people that were casted that night, I missed you guys. Like, I was, like, <laughs> it's not the same. Because I feel like there's something about going through the trenches together and, like, learning and and failing forward yeah. that's, like, it's a very, like, bonding experience. Even if you don't, like, sit and know everyone's life story, you're, like, going through that. I agree. I agree. And it's been sort of... Uh 
you know, I think this class and just the this group of actors has already made me a better actor. Yeah, which I which I think is why we're there to begin with. I also want to toot your horn because you were. I, I worked the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival for a long, for nine days straight. It was beautiful. You were there the one night that I wasn't <laughs> at the red carpet because you were in a film. Yes, I am in a film. Congrats. Thank you very much. What is, can you like toot that horn? What's, what's going on? Absolutely. So the film's called Normal and, and the film uh, deals with a couple's postpartum emotional issues. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a part of the film. I'm, I have a supporting role. I play the friend, the office friend of the male lead. Okay. Um, and uh, sort of, it is something that I say to him that sort of changes the course of the story mm-hmm. from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but the film, you know, the film, again, uh, it's directed by, uh, by Mirgendra Singh. He's in L- an LA-based uh, person of color, director of color. The leads were the 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 male lead was Indian, is Indian. The female lead is Caucasian. So so the film is cast um, it, it, as a colorblind film, right? And the story is just any other couple in LA. So the film is called Normal. Deals with relationships, real stories, real life stories. Uh, it's I don't know if it's still playing at the Regal LA Live, but hopefully it'll it'll be on one of the streaming platforms soon. Yes, I hope I hope. I get to watch it on on streaming someday, and have my parents get to watch it. <laughs> yeah, and I better I wanted that link too. I was really bummed that night. I actually was. It was really great because I got to meet a lot of the filmmakers, but I didn't get to watch all their films. Got it. Because yeah. got to get their photo taken. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, what? And then you also found this out again because I found you. We. we you, I don't know how we. No, I, f- I found you. On you Instagram. found me. Okay, you yeah, found yeah, me yeah. on Instagram, yeah. and then I saw your profile. I was like, Dushan has a freaking clothing line. <laughs> what? And I was like, I told my boyfriend. I was like, I told you he's an artist. Like that's what, again. Sidebar. Back to this original story. Yeah. That's why I was so annoyed by the the things that they were throwing at you. You look like an artist. I'm saying you're very fashionable and stylish. At the time, I don't know, you're wearing a hat right now, but like you had the man bun. And I was like, in what world is like, come on, guys. Like it was just so lazy. Anyway, I'm just, I was so annoyed. I was like, he looks like the consummate, like, are you going to design my house? Are you going to like tell me how bad my outfit is? Like that's what I was thinking. So anyway, back to the thing. So you, and then when I found out you you have your own clothing line, I was like, of course he does. <laughs> so can you tell me about this? Absolutely. So, so the clothing line in a, in a very typical fashion designer, narcissistic way is my name. Nice. <laughs> Dushantastana. Um, Own and, that name. And the, uh, what I'm trying to do with this particular clothing line is, uh, again, a blending cultures, uh, and then creating something that, you know, that uh, this part of the world has not seen. So I work with a lot of hand, hand printed fabrics. I work with a lot of hand loomed fabrics and, and I design and I specifically cut all those shirts in a very Western way. Mm-hmm. So it's a perfect blend of who I am. Grew up in India, lives in, lives in LA. All the fabric is handmade in India. Um, and they're sort of cut for for a contemporary contemporary person so it's it's uh, it's the best of both worlds that's so uh, cool and yeah how long have you how when did you start this line so i mean so this this line came about last year was my first ready wear collection i had done private clients before that but uh-huh. that was just sort of um just me working with clients one-on-one like i'll design a suit for them for their oscars walk or like here this and there. is like a whole other <laughs> podcast <laughs> But, but, uh, yeah, my goal with this line is to sort of blend cultures, Uh um, ethically source all my fabrics, ethically make all my clothing, make it in small batches, minimize wastage and create something that is very modern. Love it. And I I hope everyone goes and checks it. It's so like vibrant. I can like, when we describe it that way, like it's very fitting. I mean, I went to Mumbai for my friends, uh, one of my dear friends wedding. I was her bridesmaid and just all the fittings, man. (laughs) Like all of that. (laughs) It was one of the most exhausting, but like fun times ever. Just because I think that there's so many ways that we express ourselves. Fashion is like, I mean, pretty high numero uno with most, I think, universally, right? Mm. Like our clothing says so much about who we are, where we come from, what our aesthetic is, what we like. Um, And I just love the vibrancy of the colors. I was like, and then when I got to experience the Indian wedding, everyone's just like having the time of their lives. I was like, this is not how Korean weddings would go. (laughs) It's always like a battle and people have to get really drunk to like 
even kind of dance, but I was just like, it's such a vibrant culture. I yeah. the music was incredible. I was like jet lagged and tired, but like man, I danced my butt off <laughs> with my friends, like grandparents. It was just the best. That's amazing. So I'm glad that you embody that. I love that you like you know put that in in a clothing form and like let people discover that. Thank I'm you. learning a lot. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yeah, no, it's amazing. My friends, I have like Japanese American friends, and they have like there's so much from Japanese. The aesthetic in yeah. general and the print and everything that they has been westernized a lot and people are like of all backgrounds where they just love it. I love it. Cool. I, I love Japanese American fashion. Absolutely. My boyfriend's really into it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm really, I'm very basic. I'm just, this is why I thought I was like, Dushar would walk in and be like, Minji, no. Like, we need to change this girl. <laughs> you, you are anything but basic. <laughs> I was like, I make up for all of my lack of fashion creativity with my loudness. I don't know. Um, and what are, okay, also, I, I, I'm going to start doing this with all of my guests, but like, what are projects that are like your dream project? Because I want to be able to be like, fast forward 10 years or something, we're going to look back on this and be like, it came true. <laughs> what, what is the ultimate collaboration or the project or film or what do you want to do? Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you a boring answer for that. I think, I think what I really want to do is good work. And I think the, uh, what comes out of it would would be would be a byproduct of the good work I do. Mm-hmm. Um, a ver- somebody who I admire once said, "Money is a byproduct of the work that you do." Yeah. So I think I really just want to go out there and find uh, good stories to tell, and hopefully I'm capable of telling those stories. Uh, my goal, I hope that in, in the next ten years, I I I am working regularly in Hollywood uh, and. Again, not chasing stardom, but, you know, just out there, just doing good work, really. I see that happening. For you. <laughs> I love that that's your value, and I think it'll keep coming at you. Thank you. I've already been like, I was like, seriously, I'm tooting your horn. But I was like, in class, I was like, wow, he's he's solid. And I was like, and then when you and then you revealed that you're like, I've only been doing this like two months. I was like, say what? <laughs> what? That is, I was like, I've seen... I'm not throwing shade. It's a, it's a hard job, but I was like, there's it's really difficult to be that vulnerable, yeah. and then like see see that. So yeah. good on you, congrats, and and thank you, thank you for like taking the time to sit down with me and like answer all my questions because I was like, <laughs> did I hurt you? <laughs> no, no, thank 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 you for thank you for thinking of me, thinking of that that story that we shared uh, is worth telling and I appreciate that. And since we're all on that topic, I think I would like to uh, appeal to everybody who's listening to this podcast, go donate to ACLU. What's happening in Alabama is, is a travesty. Mm-hmm. And I think men, especially men, men of color, white men, black men, all men, let's go out there, donate to ACLU, donate to all these causes, places that are supporting um, women, women's rights. And let's, let's go, make some change thank you uh hearts um and on that note also i I want to add on that there are things that we can do i think it's like my conclusion to what our discussion is and thank you for saying that is everybody can do something to advance justice and that sounds very very lofty and very like academic even but I think there's things that we can do, whether it's one conversation, one donation in private. You don't have to share that with your social media world if you don't want to. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy around a lot of things and sensitivity. But um, I really believe that everybody does have the best of intentions. We're all learning. And so sometimes it's going to be really uncomfortable to get called out. I've been on the receiving end of that a lot this past year, just checking myself. And I'm putting this out in the universe because we're all growing. So I appreciate you saying that and i hope that people think and talk and journal and whatever and go go do you go go do good in the world um Dushan, where can people find you like do you want to plug your instagram or anything uh, absolutely uh you know thankfully my name is so unique you can find me just google Dushyant astana that's d-u-s-h-y-a-n-t last name a-s-t-h-a-n-a at Dushyant astana instagram uh Dushyant astana facebook Dushyant astana everywhere so just uh you know, hopefully, hopefully you can find me. And thank you again, Minji, for uh, taking the time to talk with me. Yeah, thank you for being here. All right, so that wraps it up for this episode. Of, first of all, thank you again to Dushant Astana for being here to talk to me. 
about all the feelings and we have work to do in art and creativity and life. So um, please do check out his stuff on Instagram. It's really just such a vibrant collection and like we want to see more of your work. You can find this podcast at uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and all the places you find podcasts. And if you would like to become a supporter of the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and leave a five-star review because um, I love, I appreciate the love. Actually, one of sidebar, I got my first like not five-star rating. Kind of hurt, but I'm like, wow, people are being really honest. So it's only like... I took it. I took the L and uh, my ego did, but I'm like, okay, time to make this better. And shout out to, uh, back on, back on cue. Shout out to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. And shout out to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger for the intro and outro. I'm also a proud member, proud, proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American storytellers and podcasters. I love you guys. Thank you for making your, uh, making your podcast real and, and sharing your content and all these stories. That's it for this week. I hope you'll tune in next week for some more unfiltered conversations. All right, that's it for me. Bye. I got this all up on my LinkedIn. Proficient in spitting, turning red when I'm drinking. Emancipating pussy like I was Abe Lincoln. Squirting out that Kool-Aid till all that ratchet sick it, sick it. This is Taz. And this is Zara. And we are the Good Muslim, Bad Muslim podcast. It is a show about being two Muslim women in America. We talk about pop culture, the pork lobby, periods. And we talk about Islamophobia, patriarchy, and smashing white supremacy. It's a range. Download the Good Muslim, Bad Muslim podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Or at goodmuslimbadmuslim.com.